Well, it's lovely to be here and uh, it's just nice to look around and see who's here. When you're sitting up the front here, it's a bit rude to turn around and have a look, but why don't you people at the front turn around and have a look? You know, it's not too rude. Have a look. Why give each other why? There you go. It's not too bad. Not too rude. Think back to a time when you were exceedingly, ecstatically happy. Think back to a time when there was just that remarkable moment when there's just absolute pure joy. Actually, I I don't know, tell me later, please, but uh, I found it actually a bit hard. I've been working on this for about three or four days, you know. of course, there's, yeah, there's been times that have been happy and joyful, and often those comes with other things, like you know, becoming a father for the first time is exactly is remarkably joyful. But boy, you're becoming a father for the first time. You know, there's not pure joy. There's actually dread. And but I, I think for me, I have to go back to when I was a child to have that pure joy, ecstatic moment. Um, it's probably 10 when I got a push by for Christmas. I, I just remember. Just this overwhelming sense of just pure... I, I didn't know how to express it. Um, look, later on, spend some time thinking about it because um, just even thinking about it really made me feel happy. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? What about when you're with the person who's feeling that joy? Like, you know, like they're feeling it and they're in the room. Uh, You can't can't help but can you feel happy when you see it. Uh, I I think Ruth uh, showed us that clip of the guy, little fellow in Africa, uh, receiving that the gift for the first time and he hadn't even opened it and you saw this remarkable expression of joy. Well, our passage today, we've got one of those moments, just pure joy. Just absolute joy, um, remarkable joy. And it's interesting that we see in this one day in this life, we see one lame man jumping and leaping for the first time, praising God, and the two men who healed him in jail. It's interesting, the, the difference, isn't it? And we've been seeing that Luke, as he takes us through Acts, is continuing to help us understand what Jesus was doing and teaching with the disciples. And uh, in chapter 2, verse 43, we saw the disciples did many miracles, and we're going to see one today. That's what we're seeing today. That's what we're thinking about today. And Peter, in uh, chapter 2, connected uh, what was happening with that moment, uh, the prophecy of Joel about what happens when God comes and bees with you, when, when, we're, when we're with God and we see restoring and healing of the people of God. And at the end of chapter 2, we see the, the disciples doing four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And they were devoted to prayer. And... The devotion to prayer, I guess, is, is one of the things we're going to see in this passage today. And this devotion to prayer is just like we see in the Old Testament with David. Uh, we see devotion to prayer with Daniel. Remember that moment where they wanted to trap him out, they wanted to catch him out, so they said, let's make a rule about his religion. 
And so there's David at three o'clock in the afternoon praying and they got him. We see Jesus' devotion to prayer. We see him going off to, to pray. Um, and then we see G, uh, the, the first church here um, with their devotion to pray, prayer. I wonder if you've uh, reflected much on the vision of our church, that in the next five years, what we want to see is a growing, gathered community of passionate followers of Jesus, deeply dependent upon God's spirit and prayer, rooted in relationships which bear fruit in the wider community. And I think what we... If we're just going about being a growing, gathered community, let's just shut the door now, okay? Let's close the door because there are lots of better growing communities around. We can join. Maybe less effort. But we want to be a growing, gathered community of passionate followers of Jesus. There's a big difference. We, we want to be passionate followers of Jesus, deeply dependent upon God's spirit and prayer, which means we're not in control. When we, when we depend upon God's spirit and prayer, we are not in control. We are allowing God to work in and through us. And that this growing, gathered community of passionate followers of Jesus, dependent upon God's spirit and prayer, might be rooted... With, the very thing that we see is relationships which bear fruit in the wider community. I tell you, that's just the sort of community I want to be involved in. And I hope it's something that you want to be involved in. And the thing that I want to just focus on for a moment is prayer, because prayer is learnt in community. If you don't pray with others in any other way, can I suggest you're limiting yourself to the, the, the fullness of something that God has given to each other? It, it says we pray as a community. We actually learn how to move up, to move close and move out as we pray as a community because I think that's where we learn how to pray together. We've got the scriptures, we've got a community of people of God and we come together and pray now, this is not an ad for the prayer time tonight, but I have to connect it, don't I? We, um, we have, well, once every month, we have a community uh, uh, prayer and dinner. Um, with the COVID stuff, we're just going to miss out the dinner tonight, okay? So come at 6.30 and we're going to pray together. Um, I'm going to set up a, a, a Zoom link. If, if there's any problems you're getting here, we just want to make sure that there's lots of opportunities for people to come together and pray. So on the Facebook page or the, the private one, um, I'm putting a, a Zoom link or WhatsApp. Or if you don't have any of that, just contact me or let me know and I'll get it to you. If we're not going to be a prayerful community, dependent upon God's spirit and passionate followers of Jesus, we're wasting our time. Um, let's shut the church and what we see here is the early church who are still, they're very committed to prayer. Where is Peter and John going? They're going to the temple at three o'clock in the afternoon, like any other good Jew, and they're going to pray to God. And they come across, of course, 
If you've been in Sunday school as a young kid, we know the song, don't we? You know, can, you, can anyone not read this and, and not start singing Silver and Gold? Have I done the da da da? Looping and just can't help it. But here's a lame man uh, unable to use his legs. Uh, it could have been trauma at birth, it could be things like spina bifida, couldn't it? Like that, that, that could mean that he can't use his legs. But being a lame man, he is excluded from the temple of God. He's not allowed in. And that's why he's at the gate. Because he's not allowed to go past that gate. He's uh, been excluded from the the greatest expression of the the presence of God because of his lame, he's unable to walk. He's even excluded from uh, national activities. Um, he's left there um, while others just walk past. He's unable to worship God fully as a, as a, as a human being, uh, as an Israelite, because he's lame. He's been, he's been overlooked. And, and he's actually, we know, I think we can probably assume that people would come past and look at him and say, Dad, who sinned? Was it him or his parents, because we know the disciples even asked that of Jesus, didn't they? Who sinned, God? And you know how children can be sometimes. They, who sinned, God? Was it this man or was it his parents? And he must have, over years and years, been exposed to this. And, and this man, all he wanted to do was get money for, money for one day's food. This man, he was going to get more than he could ever hope for. He, he was going to get something more than he even expected. I mean, if someone gave him a gold coin and he was right for a year's food, he would have been ecstatic with that. But here he's going to have an opportunity for actual healing, but also inclusion. He's going to be brought into the very presence of God in the, the temple and, he, and he's going to have an opportunity to truly worship God. Now we might remember that Luke who wrote, wrote this was a doctor and so he was particularly interested in some things, wasn't he? He says that the feet became strong and four times he talks about this man walking. Yeah, Luke was going, yeah, he was walking, like he was leaping, he, his, his ankles were strong, he, he, he was actually walking. This is Luke, the doctor, um, just giving us his particular uh, interest, I guess. But for the Jew who knew the Bible, and most of them did, they would have gone to this prophecy on Isaiah 35, when the glory of, of the Lord, the splendor of God would come, do you know what would happen? The lame would leap like a deer. And what are we seeing here? This man is leaping like a deer. Think of those in the temple after the initial shock. I mean, we're all just amazed that uh, this man's been healed. And, and um, imagine... Uh, Joseph uh, goes home to tell his wife, you won't, dear, you will not believe what happened in the temple today. You will not believe. 
Do you know that man that was outside the temple at the, the gate? He's always there. He's been there for all my life. You know, you know, remember that guy who was always begs and you know, sometimes I give him a bit of money. But he's always, you know what? He actually came into the temple and he was leaping and praising God. And I just could not believe it because he looked like the man. I thought, is that the man? That, that's the man who I asked, I asked uh, Jacob and Jacob said, yes, that's the man. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I, but then, how did this happen? And then these two people talked about Jesus. But it reminds me of this Isaiah. The, remember the prophecy in Isaiah about the, the, land, the lame man that was leaping and praising God because, because the splendour of God is here. That because the glory of God is here. Could this Jesus be the glory of God? Could he be the splendour that we were waiting for? I just love that this is probably one of those stories that the early church, and you remember the early church would gather. They didn't have a Bible. And uh, what did they do? They told the stories. Can you, can you imagine the young kids saying, oh, tell us that story again about the... the, the the lame man, they may actually be, may have been able to name him because he was probably part of their community, I'd imagine. Tell us the story about the lame man who went around leaping like a deer. Tell us the story about that. And they would love to hear the story because this was Jesus was the splendour of the Lord. He was the glory of the Lord. Now Luke carefully investigated and collected these stories. Luke tells us the start of, of, the, 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 of the letter, of the book. And we see his doctor's training come out when he, when he talks about the strengthening of the ankles and the walking. And to us scientific minds today, of course, we know that miracles don't happen. We, we frown at that sort of thing. Um, but we can see back there, they frowned at it too. They didn't believe miracles happened because... Because they were, so, they were just so amazed. This isn't a daily occurrence. Lame people don't walk. They know they don't walk. And here they are just as amazed as anyone else. I read um, um, a bit of a commentary. They quote this guy named Thomas Walker. He says about this, this story, the power, of Christ, uh, sorry, the power was Christ's power in the healing of the man, but the hands were Peter's. Okay? The power was Christ's power, but the hands that laid and pulled him up, they were Peter's. And the power of Christ is still conveyed every day with human hands. Have a look at your hands. Have a look at your hands. Look down. There's your hands. The power of Christ is conveyed through these hands. You think of, uh, we don't, by very nature, we don't see miracles happening a lot, you know, that sort of dramatic lame people walking. But I think we see the power of Christ conveyed in human hands every single day. How can Christ's power? come 
through love without your hands. How can, how can Christ's power of, of love be conveyed to anyone without your hands? How can Christ's power expressed in mercy be expressed in any way but in your hands? Or acceptance. Oh boy, that's acceptance. Can be expressed through your hands. What about service? And these are the things that bring healing and wholeness. Christ's power through your hands. We, uh, we should never underestimate the power of Christ through touch. Um, but let me tell you the story when I was about 26, pretty dark time in my life, uh, came to a church and a, one of the person uh, just touched me on the arm like that and I kid you not, it was almost like an electric shock because I hadn't been touched by anyone for a long time. And, and, and the power of, of being touched was so powerful that here I am 30 years later telling you this story about a person who doesn't even know what happened and the power of love and acceptance through a touch was the power of Christ to me. And that's why we, we just need to make sure we, we, don't, we do all the good COVID stuff, but we, we, we can't lose touch. We, we just cannot lose it because there's a power in it. And the power of Christ comes through can come through a touch. The significance of healing is that this man could enter the temple of God and worship God. Again, Peter gets an opportunity to explain why this, why is this happening, people are asking. Well, he said, God, in verse 13, he said, God glorified the servant Christ, but you handed him out to be killed. This is, this is a bit pointed, isn't it? You handed him out to be killed. You disowned him. And remember Pilate? Well, he was, going to let, he was going to let Jesus go, but you disowned the Holy One and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be released to you. By the way, you killed the author of life, but God raised him up from the dead. We are witnesses of it. We saw it. We are testifying against you. Well, I'm sure that went over well. And we know where they ended up, don't we? In jail that night. Not in jail. Well, reject, ignore or overlook, disregard, fail to consider the author of life. And what do you expect will happen to you? Reject, overlook, ignore the author of life. Separate yourself from the author of life, then what is going to happen if you're going to remove yourself from the author of life? So let me ask you today, how are you responding to the author of life today? Not 10 years ago. Uh, not when you made a commitment 10 years ago or five years ago. How are you responding to the author of life today?
Because I think that's going to determine if we're going to be passionate disciples of Jesus in this community. How are you responding to the author of life? I fear there are many people, even in Baptist churches, who are regular comers, they, they serve, they, they give, but they really don't respond to the author of life at all. It could be unsaved. And Jesus warns us, doesn't he? He said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. So we really do need to take a hard look at ourselves. How are you responding to the author of life? Perhaps you've never responded to the author of life. Perhaps you've never... Today is the day, isn't it? There's no day like today. That's the only day you've got. Respond to Jesus. I hope you're having a daily response to the author of life. So I want you to make sure you check your heart, your own heart. Do a bit of a spiritual health check. How is your heart towards God? Consider how you're living your life of love, because that's what we're called to do. There's only one law in this kingdom, and it's love. How are you living that life of love? And if you're not living it, it's time to repent. That's what repentance is about. There's times when we need to be convicted we are doing wrong. We need to stay with our uncomfortable feeling that I'm actually sinning before God. I'm disobedient. I need to turn my heart around. When we, uh, when we do business with the uh, author of life, we're encouraged. But there's joy. There's compassion. There's, there's, there's great joy. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you'll see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you can all see, it's only as we can be strong. And so here I am really confronted. You know, there's times when we overlook people. You know, we almost leave people at the door because they couldn't come in here. And I've, I've known people who feel they can't come into a church because... They're not dressed well enough. Um, we want to make sure that we accept and embrace everyone so they can feel very comfortable. We can't discriminate against abilities or disabilities, uh, the class of person, the, or even... You know, we don't discriminate against sinners because fortunately... We're in a room full of sinners. Are we overlooking certain people because we, it's too uncomfortable if they're in here because they don't know how to act that properly, you know? They don't know how to act like we should act. Sit here quietly and listen to a sermon for 25 minutes. It can be daunting. We need to make sure we welcome everyone in what way you know, do you make it easier for people to come to God? I guess that's the point. How are you making it easier for people to come to God? I was reminded, uh, generally, a few of us get down uh, for a coffee before church, and it just, I, I was reminded back then of the, this lady, Dorothy, who uh, who's since deceased, and uh, 
uh, when I first met Dorothy, um, uh, she, she used to have those two quad sticks. You know the sticks with, with the four things? And she was walk, used to walk like this, you know, this dear old lady. Um, she wasn't that old, like, maybe she was uh, late 50s and uh, early 60s. And, but she, you know, um, that's not that old, is it? Not, not that I'm getting up that way now. It's just, so here, she would walk with these two quad sticks and, and she started kind of connected to the church and, and part of, the, um, part of a, well, a seniors group, a craft group, you know, uh, and been welcomed in. And over a few months, she, she dropped, she only had one of these quad sticks and then she went to a, to a single walking stick and then she actually was going around the church without even the stick and uh, I, I said to my life, you know, my mentor, life mentor, I said, have you noticed Dorothy over the last four or five months? She's gone from two quad sticks to no stick when she's in here. And he said, and it's so true, it's the healing power of community, of being accepted, of being loved. There's a healing power in community, which we have with each other. So let me beg you, please don't exclude yourself from the community. Come close. There is a powerful, powerful way that we can be transformed into what Jesus wants us to be. So let me beg you, please, don't stay on the outskirts. Come close. So let me pray. Father God, <coughs> we've all been outside at the gates, um, excluded because of our sinfulness. We've all been there. Um, Lord, and uh, as, we, as we come in and find worship, as we, as we find we can come close to you, Lord, yeah, even though these, these bones and bodies may not be able to leap too much, we, we find joy. Lord, I want to pray that we would just find so much joy that we just would be so focused on, on, on intimacy and drawing close to you and to others that the fears that we have, the, the, the fears that we have will be left behind. Because we discover that we actually have nothing to fear because you always have our good. Lord, I want to pray that um, as we find that, that the power of, of Christ expressed through your spirit and through the hands that you have given us, that we actually may be that community where people are welcomed, no one's overlooked, everyone's cherished, and that we can find true healing for our souls. Lord, your desire is to restore and to heal. I pray, Lord, as we go into the world, we, we find those who need restoration and healing. But we don't want to overlook our own need. But we need you. We long for you. We love you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.